Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. And I go back a long way, over 40 years. Tony's not often in, in the country, so we thought this would be a good opportunity for uh, us to just chat about what he does and what he feels God's called him to. Um, and you're, you've come over this time, I guess you're com- you've combined two things together. You came for our old pastor's Thanksgiving exactly. service, which was Thanksgiving on and also Friday, Father's Day. and for Father's Day, yeah. so to catch up with your dad. Exactly. Um, so... Great to have you in the UK and great to have you with us. Thank you so much. This morning. I appreciate being here today. Um, so, so I'm going to kind of keep this controlled, but I'll tell you why. Because um, Tony is a very well-read and well-written man. He's written, I think, approaching 50 books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if we were to ask him to speak on any given theological subject, <laughs> he could probably do that for a good five hours. And so today, rather than uh, get you to talk about any particular theological issues, I thought we would just turn the spotlight a little bit just onto you, yourself, what you feel God's call has been on you, and some of the ways that God has acted, if you like, on your behalf and on the behalf of your family as you've mm-hmm. followed God's call on your life. And that would be a very different call, to, for example, to the call on Owen's life to be a pastor. Your call is somewhat different. Yeah, yeah. So um, just tell us, first of all, ha- if people ask you, what do you do? Or they ask you, if they're Christians, and they ask you, so what's God's call on your life? What's your normal answer to that question? I'm an evangelist. So uh, I, my job is to tell people that Christ died for our sins, as called in Scripture, he was buried, he rose again on the third day, he appeared to the Petrus, the twelve, to the five hundred brethren, to all the apostles, his brother James, and to Peter. That's my job. And also to say, repent, the kingdom of God is nearby. Okay. I'm well, an evangelist. Great. So fa- okay, fantastic. <laughs> would, you, would you also describe yourself as an apologist? And if you, if, you, if you do, just explain to, to any of the guys here, so some of our younger guys might not know what that term means. Yeah. Yes, I am set for the defense of the gospel. To apologize in the Bible, the apology or apologia is literally to defend. And so Paul was set to defend the gospel when he said his testimony before courts and before judges he was defending. So basically when I go forth, I'm not... A systematic apologies like, apologies like uh, Rabbi Zacharias or anyone, but I'm always bringing different angles to how someone ordinary can accept the truth of the gospel, the fact that there were 500 eyewitnesses, the fact that we have so much experience with God today that there's no way that any clear-thinking atheist could come up with the conclusion that he's not there. If God is not there, my wife is not there, my son is not there, my house, which I'm living in, well, actually, that really isn't there. But <laughs> not yet. Not yet. It's on its way. So, so basically, yes, I'm always, for example, in the university in Jerusalem. I was in Hebrew University, and there was a professor there called Baruch Schwartz, very good professor. And he used to say all the time, when someone would say a point, he'll say, that's Christian, that's wrong. And so I wrote to him a paper. I said, I'm from England, and in the universities we have different 
varying points of view in the classroom and we have different perspectives. And people are listening to you as a professor and they are literally losing their faith because they're taking your authority and believing what you say. And so people do lose their faith in university if they don't have a background like we have in the Holy Spirit and everything. And so I said to him, uh, this is wrong. And so he wrote back a four-page answer and he never did it again. So in the entire year, he never once said, that is Christian, that's wrong again. So I'm always there in the classroom. When the rabbis are talking or when the Jewish Orthodox professors are talking, uh, they wanted me there because I could bring a Jewish perspective from the Christian perspective. And so the, the naive Christians who have just come from, you know, they've just come to university and, and the rabbis are going to show them that Jesus isn't really God because of A and B and C, I can show them the other perspective of the rabbis where he is God because of C, D, and E. And you, so tell us how many languages you read and are able to speak and understand. Okay, well, it's not that many, but I, I have English. I can do Norwegian um, because I'm married to a Norwegian. I have five kids. So I, I did a year, I got the advanced Norwegian. I can read the he- biblical Hebrew. So, for example, just to give you a little taste. That was the first commandment. I am Yahuwah, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before my face. I did this because I have an outreach, and I believe millions of Muslims are going to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior through a ministry which I'm involved in. Therefore, when I was talking to the Muslims, I discovered that they were always saying, oh, there's 50,000 errors in the King James. And I said, yes, but I said, my son you are, I today have begotten thee. I spoke the Hebrew, that is bedrock. You can't go beyond bedrock. So Hebrew, what else? Hebrew, I can read the Greek New Testament. I, I can work with the Greek New Testament. And then I have a little bit, for example, with Arabic, I'll be able to say to the Arab, you know, uh, Jesus is, the Lord Jesus is the son of the God. I won't use the name of the Muslim God, but I'll use the name of God. So I can say that, and I can say, you know, uh, Anna, Anthony, and I'm in London. So I can have a little bit of Arabic. I've done a basic Arabic course so that if I'm talking to the Arabs, I can even actually, this is quite funny, I can even show the Arabs where, or the Muslims, where in their own shahada, in their own testimony, that the proper noun for God, I mean the, the, the common noun for God, is not Allah, as they try to claim, but Ilah. I can even show them from their own shahada, their own confession, there is no God, Ilah, but the name of their God. And that confuses them a little bit sometimes. I don't even speak Arabic properly, but I can do that, and it's very nice to do it. And then um, I love to say, you know, Jesus Christos, Kurios Jesus Christos, the, 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 the Lord's Prayer in Greek, that's the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament in Greek. Um, and then I have a little bit, just, just to play with, you know, a little bit of Chinese, a little bit of Korean, just so that when I meet them, I can say, yes, I need, Jesus loves you. And the Chinese do smile when you say Jesus loves you in Chinese. So all of this has been motivated by wanting to spread the gospel. You're trying to make yourselves all things to all men so that 
by any means you might reach some. Exactly. Um, I know that when you first left university, um, you went and worked for some quite big companies, didn't you? We were talking in the car. Just remind me the two big companies. So I worked first for Tushrosh and Co. Yeah. Uh, Price Waterhouse. Price Waterhouse. First I left and worked for Price Waterhouse in Sweden for nine months, doing an apprenticeship out there. And then I came back to England, went to Dartford, and I worked for Tushrosh and Co. for a couple of years. Okay. So, so the option that was available to you at that point was to have a very comfortable life. If you'd have carried on in that way, you could have been settled for life in terms of um, what the world might look for, money, security. But actually something clearly happened, which led you to a very different lifestyle, because now you don't own property. I guess there aren't savings in the bank particularly. You really do live by faith with your family. What was it that after those two or three years working in those, for those big companies, what was it that, that happened that led you to feel that God was calling you to a different type of life? So back in the day, that was 1989 to 1989, I was in Tushros uh, and Co. And, oh yeah, actually in 87 and 86 in, in Sweden, I, I, I realized when I was there working that auditing is boring. It's boring. I'm sorry for the accountants out there. <laughs> and, and I realized, and I said, I wrote the letter to the Lord. I wrote the letter to the Lord. Lord, if I'm called to do this, okay, I'll do it. But Lord, and I started looking for all these people in the Bible, and I saw that actually they, had, they weren't necessarily called to be an accountant. They were more called to do a ministry of some sort in regard to the work of the Lord. That's not to say accountancy isn't, isn't a ministry. It's a very important ministry. And so I wrote a letter to the Lord and asked him certain things in this letter back in 1986 or 87. And five years later, I came across that letter, and I having forgotten about it, and I came across it, and I saw that everything in that letter was done. For example, I talked about becoming a teacher, teaching religious education, and I became a religious education teacher because my lifestyle was not up to standard for a preacher, for a pastor. And I thought, well, I love the Bible, but I don't. I love the discotheque too. Well, you can't be in the disco and the Bible. It's a bit confusing, so I become a teacher and teach religious education in school. Then your drunk kids can come up to you and say, Mr. Anthony, this is how it should be. Teachers and students together. But then gradually God began to call me and he called me to the Bible College of Wales in Swansea, took me out of the clubs and stuck me in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere. We woke at six in the morning and started working and we finished at nine in the night and there was no transport out. And while we were there, he started showing me, for example, uh, he, he got me in there. It was like uh, January 24th, 1995. And, and, and before that, uh, December 21st, 1996, that was December 21st, a brother, an evangelist brother who I'd been evangelizing with in Birmingham, he said, let's go to Swansea. And he wanted to invite me to Swansea. And then I went home and I picked up a couple of books from the bookshelf where I was staying, just one on Reese Howells. I didn't know he was Welsh. I just saw the word Reese Howells intercession. And another one by Smith Wigglesworth, about Smith Wigglesworth. And I put them down by my bed. I woke up. I woke up. I opened them at random. The first one, which was uh, about Reese Howells, it said, and me and my friend had decided, we're going to go to Swansea on Boxing Day. That's what we decided 21st of December. Open up the book at random on the first page, and it said, or page 16, and it said, 
I remember that Boxing Day in 1934 in Swansea Bible College, Reese Howells came waving the Bible saying, we're going to preach the gospel to every creature in our generation. And I thought, weird. We just discussed Boxing Day Swansea, and here on this page is Boxing Day Swansea and preach the gospel. So I pick up the other book, which is by William Hacking. Anyone can check it. That was page 16, I believe. I pick up the other book. I open that at random. You don't have to do this, but we used to laugh at it when we grew up, but I got into it. So I picked up and opened that one at random, and it was a letter from Smith Wigglesworth to Brother Hacking. And it said, Brother Hacking, take a look at this report about this man, Reese Howells. It doesn't seem to be my line of faith, but it will build your faith. This book told me to read that book. I said, that's incredible. So I said to my mate John, I said, John, John, God wants me to go to Swansea. And he said, ah, if it said Africa, would you be off to Africa? <laughs> he literally said that. And so uh, it, it was left a little bit. And then what he did was he sent on my answer machine a, a message saying, he's not going to Swansea on Boxing Day. I'm penniless. He's not going to Swansea on Boxing Day. And he left it. And I, so I didn't go to Swansea on Boxing Day. It never happened. And I just relaxed. Come early January, I felt a pressure on my head. Has anyone ever felt a pressure on their head? Nope. Okay. I felt pressure on my head. And I said, Lord, if you want me to go to Swansea, John is going to have to ring me to confirm it. Within half an hour, the phone rings. It's John. He says, I get the feeling I'm in the middle of one of your fleeces. Why did you want me to call you? <laughs> And so, he, then we're back in contact. And so, uh, he still, I, t I told him what I told him, and then he, he didn't really believe, but he was on his way around. And because he didn't believe still, even though he got that, he didn't believe that, this Swansea thing, I prayed one more fleece prayer. I said, Lord, can you please confirm one more time if you want me to go to Swansea? So what happens? The bell rings, it's John. And the phone rings. It's Enrico from London. I'm in Manchester. Enrico says, have you got your driving license? I says, no. He says, go to Swansea and get it. As he says that, John, I get John in. I said to John, or I said to Enrico, wait a second. I bring John in. I say, say to this guy what you just said to me. Because I don't want to influence the data. I don't want to influence the evidence. So he says to him, I told him to go to Swansea and get his driving license. He said, well, maybe you're meant to go to Swansea, but I'm not going to Swansea. And so in the end, what happened was I waited. John got a, a job uh, teaching Koreans English. He was short of a teacher. He asked me to teach. I got some money. I went to Swansea. God got me into the Bible college. I, I, uh, and, and as Philip has said, I could go on all day. I could go on continually showing you incredible coincidences like this. But I went there for six months. And, and the greatest experience in that place was um, in June, in, in, in June, on June the 8th, where I was faced with three temptations in nighttime, three temptations, and I was sleeping and I was faced with three temptations. On the third temptation, I woke up out of the dream. I said, no, I am washed I am sanctified by the Spirit of God and by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I went back to sleep again. And then I felt wind blowing on me. And it was like, I can't breathe. And then I was carried out of the bed into a white basin. 
I was sprinkled with water, and I woke up speaking in a new, new tongue. I already had tongues, but it was a new tongue, and inside that tongue were the words, Abba, my Lord, Jesus is Lord, but not just in English, in the kind of, you know, in the spirit. So that was what got me out. So that's what got you out of the comfortable lifestyle that, where you could have been set for life. Right. Thank and you. there's a lot more. It, it took time to actually literally follow, but, you know, yeah. that really did. And, and basically in that week, when I first started in the Bible College of Wales, um, I arrived at the Bible College, talked to Mr. Mayton, a good man, and he said after, because I was going through problems, and he said at the end, let's stay in touch. Let's stay in touch. So then I went back to Manchester after that. And when I got back to Manchester, one night I, I felt there was this power on me. And, and the Holy Spirit said, it is my power. And he said, move to Swansea. I will do the rest. So when I literally arrived in Swansea, I arrived in the Bible college with one pence. I didn't know the cost of everything on the way, but I arrived with one pence. And I arrived on the Tuesday, first of all, and I said to him, I rang there, because I thought, he said stay in touch. He didn't say come back next week. So I, 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 I rang him from the station. He doesn't, and I say, can I come and have another look? Because I didn't know what to say. Can I come and have another look? He said, yeah. I said, can I come now? He said, no, come on Thursday. That was Tuesday. So I went to, instead, Clanefli, where there's World Horizons International, and they have outreach to Muslims around the world. And they happened to be in the middle of a prayer for Ramadan. They were praying for the Muslims during Ramadan. So I joined with them, and I shared some ideas with uh, some of the people while we were praying in our small group. And they said, those ideas are amazing. Can you share it with the whole group? So suddenly I'm sharing about how I believed God was going to move in the Islamic world to the entire Horizons group. I get back to the Bible college, finally, or, you know, to, to stay. He says, pray for 100 pounds just so that you can be comfortable, you know, that God's with you. After one week, the 100 pounds is in, and a man comes. His name's Martin Harris. He works for Frontiers Organization. He's a missionary. And he comes to share with the students of the Bible college. And he said that he had a word of knowledge. Well, first of all, he spoke on uh, the passage which had got me around, which was Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Get out from your father's house, from your country, from your family, to a land that I'll show you. I'll make of you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I'll bless them that bless thee, and him that curseth thee will curse, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, he had a word of knowledge for a young man. I had a book in my bag which connected with the name of his booklet, which was called, my book's book was called The Challenge of the Macedonian Call. Wind it up. And it was called The Challenge of the Macedonian Call. After he had spoken on my badge, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, I ran to him and I said, was that a word of knowledge or were you just guessing there might be somebody here? He said, that was a word of knowledge. And I said, it's incredible, but the Lord's been talking to me about Macedonian call. He said, well, maybe he's given you a Macedonian call. I said, what do you mean? He said, when I became a missionary, the Lord said to me, I'm giving you a Macedonian call. And my friend called me and said, Martin, you have a Macedonian call. I said, that's incredible. I ran to my bag, put up the book, it said, the challenge of the Macedonian call. He had the Macedonian call. His booklet for his organization, Frontiers, was called The Challenge. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, give us just one in one line um, to finish off. 
So, so, so we would live a very different lifestyle to you. We've already talked about the fact that you very much live by faith with your family. Um, give us just in, in one line, really, the principle, that, the spiritual principle, if you like, that governs the way that you live by faith. Thanksgiving. Whether you have little, whether you have much, whether you have milk and bread in the fridge or not, you give thanks. And it basically comes from Thessalonians, probably the most important book in the New Testament because it's the first book of the New Testament, most likely. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So whatever situation you're in, if you want your ashes to turn to beauty, you just give thanks. Fantastic. Thank you. Let's just pray for you, Tony, before we hand over. Uh, Father, we thank you so much that our times are in your hands. Uh, we thank you that you know the end from the beginning. And we thank you that you have marked out a race for each of us to run. And uh, so, Father, we, we pray for Tony now as this race continues Lord, we thank you that he is a man who, in many ways, lives his whole life just by faith and trust. And uh, we pray your continued blessing on him and his family, and that the race that he runs will be one that impacts many, that lifts up the name of Jesus, and that brings many sons to glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tony. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.